Welcome and thanks for checking out this podcast from First International Christian Fellowship. The following message you are about to hear was carefully crafted with you in mind. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope that this message speaks to you as it did to us. Now here's Pastor Joe Salcido delivering this week's sermon. Please join me in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for bringing all of us together once again tonight at your place, at your appointed time, Father God. Father, we again ask you, Lord God, to speak to us here in this body of yours. Father, as you use me as your mouthpiece, Father God, I pray that you give me the words. I pray that you give me the wisdom, Lord, to know what to say, what not to say. More importantly, Lord God, I pray for the hearts of your people that they will be open, Father, for whatever it is that you are telling them, that they will receive it, Lord, wholeheartedly. And I pray for their minds to be open, Father God, that anything that is not in accordance to your will and to your ways, Father God, they will be willing to remove it and be replaced with their renewed mind with you. Father, I pray, Lord God, for you to override my preparations, Lord God, and I pray that you and you alone speak to your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, tonight we have, um, we're going to continue with our, our journey in the second book of Corinthians. I titled our message, For the Love or Money. It's in the question. So what do you, why do you do what you do? You know, if you're a home, a house, a homekeeper, or what is that, how you call it? A house, a homemaker, if you're a homemaker, Obviously, you're not doing it for money because that's the hardest job in the world, but yet nobody pays you, correct? And you're underappreciated. That's mostly for moms, correct? So you're doing that for love. But if you're working, let's say, at a you know, fast food restaurant, um, unless you really love grease and hamburger, <laughs> I think you're doing that for money, correct? So most of us in the real world, in the corporate world, most of us, we do what we do because of money. And then they say that if you're going to do something that you love, pertaining to work, pertaining to a career, you would appreciate it and your, your work days will be faster. Your eight hours will just go, you're like, what? It's done? I want to work more overtime. <laughs> That's if you love what you're doing, right? It's usually us here at church, right? When we're done, he's going to close in prayer? What? It's only been two hours. <laughs> if we love it, if we love it, we can't get enough of it, correct? Nobody even has to talk us into doing it. We don't want to be stopped. If, we, if it's something that we love, we do it wholeheartedly. And we're committed. Nobody needs to talk us into it. And we're going to be seeing this through the, these verses from, we're going to be reading from chapter 12, verses 13 to 21, until 13, 1 to 2. I, I thought we were going to be done with second, second Corinthians, but no. God wanted me to continue with the other ones next week. So let's begin. This is our introduction. Jesus replied, this is from Mark 12, 29 to 31. Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel. The Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. The second is equally important. 
Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Jesus cited these two commandments as the most, the most important ones and presented them as one. You can't go one without the other. The love for God should naturally issue our love for others. Don't you see that? Our love for God results into us loving other people. There's no other way of putting it. It's a byproduct of our love for God. For us to love others. For us to love our spouse, our children. There's that natural love that you can produce. But then when things go astray, when the person becomes unloving, or they make it very difficult for you to love them, then you need God's love, right? That's when you need God's love. Jesus ended the debate here because they were very good during that time in making, oh, this is heavier, this is light, this is minimal on the commandments. They were ranking or putting criterias on the, on the commandments. And Jesus basically ended it on these two commandments, all the commandments hang on. But these two commandments are presented as equally, if you see it there. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now the question, Jesus' question, do you love me? Now if we say we love God, that's the first and first and greatest commandment, correct? And we say we love God, we, st we start with this. If you love me, obey my commandments. We have to obey our commandments. His commandments, John 14, 15, the result of our love relationship with him is obedience to his commands. And in the second one, Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. And in 2 John 1, 6, and this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the very commandment you have heard from the beginning, that you must walk in love. We must live in love. We must be loving people. Believers, we should be loving people. We can't stay the old grumpy, moody person that we want to be. Correct? <laughs> Nobody's saying, no, no, I'm loving. No, Don't look at me. <laughs> I'm not going to agree to that. No, this is, this is, this is, this, this is to show us that if we love God, the results are in place. You can't help it. Correct? If you eat, you'll produce, it'll produce energy. If you're not eating, you'll be lethargic. Correct? Everything that we do has a result. Correct? Everything that we take in has a byproduct. And the same thing here. Uh, our love for God results into us being obedient to His commandments. And then us walking in love. Living our lives in a loving way. To others. And we're going to see how this applied to Paul. In, the next, in this chapter 12. The only thing I fail to do. Please turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read from verse 13. The only thing I failed to do, which I do in the other churches, was to become a financial burden to you. Paul speaking. Please forgive me for this wrong. Now this is sarcasm. 
okay? I hope you know it by now. I know Brother Richard hammered that the last time he was here. Sarcasm is one of Paul's favorite thing with the Corinthians. He was telling them that you're telling me that it was wrong for me not to take payment from you. Because that's what the false, false disciples were telling the false preachers were telling the Corinthian church, the false believers that were there that infiltrated the church, they were telling some of them, or all of them, and some of them believed it, that Paul, not asking for money, shows to them and tells them that Paul is not a real apostle of Christ, that Paul is a false teacher. And him not taking that payment is because he didn't have the credentials that they have. And Paul is saying here, how is that, right? How is that my fault? How did that become my fault? How did that become an error on my part? And he continues, now I am coming to you for the third time. And I will not be a burden to you. I don't want what you have. I want you. Imagine the love of God overflowing through Paul. Because frankly, if this were me, I'd say, you know what, Lord? <laughs> I'm praying for a thunderstorm to go to Corinth right now. <laughs> okay? Like lightning, let the lightning strike them. Because it's just, it's hurtful. Paul has been hurt by their accusations. If you go through, remember those chapters that we read. He has been heartbroken by them because he's saying, you should be standing up for me, but yet you're not. With everything that I have done for you, yet you still doubt me. Now he says there, now I don't want anything from you. Isn't that the real love? Isn't this what you usually hear women when the men are still trying to pursue you? I don't want anything else but you. Right? <laughs> right? Did you, did you hear that or you didn't? It's too, that's usually, you know, old trick in the book. <laughs> Some guys mean it, some guys don't. Because frankly, some guys really want something from you. Correct? And it's not real love. It's just not you without you giving anything. It's something. They want, they want something. But here Paul is saying sincerely. He's saying, I don't want your money. Because again, the, the false teachers, they were saying, hey, he's pretending that he doesn't want your money. But he really does. Why is he coming back to the, for the third time? He's probably getting money through his, his cronies, through his homeboys, Titus and Timothy. Is it, they're making all these stories up and he's just saying, I don't want anything from you. I just want you. Because that's how much he, Paul, loved the Corinthian church. Despite their offenses against him. Despite the many hurts that they have imposed or given him. Isn't that the same thing with God for us? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. As payment for the sins that we committed against God. He gave us the payment to pay Him. That's how much He loved us. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the silliest thing you've ever heard? Or the, It's either the silliest thing you've ever heard or the greatest thing you've ever seen. That's the greatest love. He provided a way out for us, for all the offenses. And God, up to now, as, as you accepted Christ like me, 
He continues to pursue a love relationship with us. It doesn't end there. He continues to pursue an intimate relationship with you. You might not want that intimate relationship. You might just want that ticket up to heaven. But God continues to pursue a love relationship with you. I think that's amazing for me. I can never wrap my mind around it. No matter how many times I ask the question, sincerely, Lord, why? Why do you give me this much importance? While we were still his enemies, he died on the cross for us. While we were his enemies. Even before we knew we needed help, he provided it. He continues to do so. And like Paul, he says, I don't want anything from you. I just want you. It's the same thing with God. God doesn't want your sacrifices. God doesn't want your money because God has all the money that he needs. God has everything. God made everything. God just wants you. God just wants you. Well, he has me. Really? He wants all of you. Well, he has 80% of me. No, he wants all of you. All of you. My question is, why are we so hesitant in giving back to God? And what truly is his, which is us. Especially if you've accepted him as your Lord, all of you becomes for him. Correct? Okay, I got one I think over there. <laughs> That's good, I'll go with that. <laughs> Let's continue. First point, genuine love for Christ results to loving other believers. In Galatians 6, it reads, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Oh my gosh, I know we've read this many times. Don't we all know this? That we say that if it were up to us, we have to do good, especially to other believers. You know, the mistake that I always see, and I do it from time to time, is that we give more grace, we give more love, we give more understanding to the people outside of the family of God. Why? Because we're thinking, this is our reason, and this is very noble, and you're probably right, because I'm trying to win them for Christ. Good. That's good. That's perfect. That's the right answer. You get an A+. But then my question is, why then, when it comes to your fellow believer here at church, says the wrong thing to you, or does the wrong thing to you, or didn't do the right thing for you, Everything's off the table. Gloves are off. I'm leaving that church. That church is full of hypocrites. Starting with Pastor Joe. <laughs> You're probably right. <laughs> right? Why is it when it comes to the house of God, we're very critical. We're very critical. We don't have grace. We don't have mercy. We have no patience for other believers. Because this is our thinking. Well, you have the Holy Spirit, then you should know and that you knew and you intended to hurt me. We might not be saying those words, but we're definitely thinking it. 
you probably didn't think about it till now, but now you're thinking it. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? This is where some of us fail. We tend to be more understanding, more lenient to others, to the outside. But then we become critical of the ones that are inside the house. Let's follow this. If we truly love God with all our hearts, all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all our strength, the second command is equally the same. Love your neighbor as yourself, neighbor as yourself. And here, this is why Paul can continue. That's why he continued to love the Corinthian church. Despite their many mistakes. I know this is his letter to Galatians. But it didn't change. His heart remained the same. Consistent. I pray that we will all be like Paul. Like Christ. There's no unconditional. If you accept him as your Lord. He continues to pursue you. Despite your many failures. So long as you're trying. Right? Sometimes you stop trying. But still God continues to... To pursue you through a message, through your reading, through your family. He continues to give you the love that you probably know that you don't deserve anymore. Let's continue to be aware of this, church. Amen? Let's be more loving to the people. Not, not more loving. I guess we, can, we should be more loving because Christians are people. This are, is these are what Christians are, right? People that accepted the fact that we are sinners. Amen? That we need a Savior. Amen? People that accepted the fact that, look, I'm not perfect. I need a Savior. The rest, the ones that didn't accept Christ or haven't accepted Christ, they're probably perfect. So you can be more critical of them. No, I'm kidding. Right? We need to be more loving to those who belong, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Continue in 2 Corinthians. After all, children don't provide for their parents. Rather, parents provide for their children. Paul speaking. He sees himself as the Corinthian church's spiritual father. And as a father, like an earthly father, we don't expect our children to provide for us. Amen? I don't expect Alonzo putting away money every month for my retirement. <laughs> it would be nice, but I don't expect it. <laughs> it's actually the other way around, right? On a monthly basis, if we can, if we're able to, we set money aside for our children, for their future, not the other way around. And this is the same application that Paul is using. And then he goes on verse 15, I will gladly spend myself and all I have for you. You see his love here? And it's the same love that Jesus gave us. He gave his all for us. He gave his life for us. To the point of death on the cross. The most excruciating way to die. The most embarrassing way to die. For your sins and mine. Now if you've been a believer for a long time. I'm I know I'm not telling you anything new. But I want you to constantly think about that. The implications of that truth. That he died on the cross for your sins. Not his. That's the kind of love that Jesus gives. Gave for us and continues to give for us. And this is the same thing. I can see Jesus through Paul here. And it says here. Even though it seems that 
The more I love you, the less you love me. My goodness, the Corinthian church started the human race, I think. Because <laughs> this is human nature, isn't it? No? Okay. It's not. Next time. Next time. No, isn't it the truth? There are people. I've seen many relationships. I've seen many relationships where the wife continues to pray for the husband that could care less for her. And vice versa. Correct? I've seen parents. I've seen parents wanting, continuously wanting a relationship with a child that doesn't want it. That continues to disrespect it, them. Continues to throw it back at their faces. We forget. We forget that there are people. There are people that are longing for our love but the ones that don't want it are the ones we pursue. Is that the truth? I know you should be shaking your head because this is the truth. You know why? Because we ourselves, we've taken people for granted. We've taken people for granted. The ones that continue to pursue a relationship with us, we take them for granted. Because we know we already have their love. We already know we've, we've got it. I got them on the, he's in my pocket. I got them wrapped around my fingers. On to the next person to make them fall in love with me, only for me to ignore them again and then go to the next one. All right? It's the same thing how we treat God sometimes. This is the same thing how we treat God sometimes. Just because we know He loves us, we take Him for granted. Oh, we're good in thanking God for the food that we're about to eat. Had it memorized. Lord, thank you for food we're about to eat. Bless the hands you prepared them. Thank you for everything that you provided. In Jesus' name we pray. Dad, we're sleeping. You're constantly praying for food while you're about to sleep. Because it's your memorized prayer. We pray. <laughs> you forgot that you were praying. Thanks, Pastor Charles. You're the only one that got it. That's Australia. We, we enjoy the blessing way too much. To a point that we forget the blesser. The person... The person that con continuously try to love us, we forget. We continue to ignore. We continue to just neglect that person. For us believers, it's God. Right? For us believers, most of the time, it's God. We forget. We take Him for granted. Well, He continues to pursue us. The more He loves us, the more we don't want it. If you, look into our, if you look into your relationship, if you are going through an issue, whether it's in your marriage or with your children or with anything relational issue, you look at this. You ask yourself, do I love him? That's why he's trying to ignore me. <laughs> Maybe I should start ignoring him so he can start loving me. You know what? There's actually truth in that. There is. People that ignore the other party end up being more attractive. Really? You don't know that? Okay. I'm sorry for those who... I'm sorry for the spouses that will now experience this. Because the, the, the wives or the husband had a clue. <laughs> a light bulb popped up. This is true. This is the truth. For many times, you, you try to pursue a relationship with somebody, but they ignore you. 
but for some reason you continue to do it. And this is what Paul is saying. The more I love you, the more, the less you love me. Genuine love is unselfish. Some of you admit I was not a burden to you. But others still think I was sneaky and took advantage of you by trickery. Because some of the Corinthian church knew that Paul never, ever took money from them. But the false prophets, again we're saying, no, he might have, he did get it from you personally, but he got it through Titus and Timothy. But how? This is Paul asking. But how? Did any of the men I sent to you take advantage of you? When I urged Titus to visit you and sent our other brother with him, did Titus take advantage of you? No. This is a rhetorical question. For we have the same spirit and walk in each other's steps, doing things the same way. The only thing why Paul kept ministering to the Corinthian church and continuously, and he's going to be under his third visit, is because of his love for them. Nothing more, nothing less. It's because of Paul's love for God and God's love through Paul reeking out. You cannot give what you don't have. Do we agree? It's okay. It's okay. You don't have to say amen. <laughs> the only love. Was I on love? <laughs> I'm getting discouraged here. I'm not getting anything. <laughs> Should we all do a stretch part first? <laughs> The only thing, the only reason that Paul and Titus and all his, his team continues to minister to the Corinthian church is because of their love relationship with God and to them. There was nothing else. And that's what genuine love is. Real love. Genuine. You haven't heard this. I haven't heard this for a while so I used it. I was going to use real love, but genuine. Because you know what? There's a lot of fake love out there. Do we agree? There's fake news. There's genuine news. I don't know where, but there is, I guess. But there are a lot of fakes, right? There's a lot of fake purses, fake Nikes. And Alonzo's seeing all of that right now in Green Hills. <laughs> He's saying, Dad, they're really cheap here. And I told him, this is me, the, the legalistic pastor that I said... So that's just like stealing. He goes, what? I'm paying for it. <laughs> I told him, all right, you have your free will, but I warned you. <laughs> Clean my hands. <laughs> but genuine love, this is real love. Only genuine love, on, genuine love only comes from God. You cannot produce genuine love. You can't. You say you love your spouse right now. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yeah, there you go. Good, good. I was trying to help you guys out, really. <laughs> but you guys are too slow for the clues. Genuine love, right? Only comes from God, right? It says here in, in 1 Corinthians 9 17, it reads, I preach voluntarily. I have a reward. 
If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. That's Paul speaking. He knew, and he kept it in mind, that it was God who called him to do what he's doing. And for him, that alone is the greatest privilege of his life. That became solely his purpose in life, is to serve what God has called him to do. He could care less about anything else. Right? For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. You know that song that you hear? That's Paul's words. And he actually lived it. He didn't want anything else. He didn't want recognition. He didn't want titles. He didn't want us even praising him right now. I'm pretty sure he's just up there like, gosh, here we go again. Not me, but Christ. It was God's love through Paul that continued to pass on to the other people. Nothing else, nothing more, nothing less. I pray that we will have that genuine love for others. It has to be unselfish. It has to be nothing in return. When we love our spouse, it should be like that. When we love our children, it should be like that. There should be nothing in return. Do we agree? Oh, wow. Yeah, there you go. Praise God. Prayers have been answered. Next point. Perhaps you think you were... Perhaps you think we're saying these things just to defend ourselves. No. We tell you, this as crisis servants, because they are crisis servants. See, they don't take any titles other than this. They're crisis servants. They don't call themselves anything else but a servant. And with God as our witness, everything we do, dear friends, is to strengthen you. That's how unselfish Paul and his team were. It was just for the strengthening of the Corinthian believers, the Christians in Corinth. It's the same thing for all the leaders. It should be the same thing if it's not the case. For all the believers that are trying to disciple other people, for us when we're teaching you, it's for your benefit. It's for your, for your strengthening. Because your faith needs to be strengthened here because you're going to be tackling the world six days apart. From this place. Is that true? The challenges that we go through. From day to day. You need your faith to be strengthened. You need your knowledge to improve. You need to be fed spiritually. And that is for you. Not for us. When we're trying to pray for you. It's really not for us. It's for you. When we're trying to teach you the truth. It's really not for us. It's for you. For us it's obeying Christ. It's obeying God's calling for us. But the benefit is for you. For your own good. And that's the same thing as the the team is saying here. As Paul has told the, the Corinthian church. Everything we do, dear friends, is to strengthen you. Everything that God has given us. Because God doesn't need us. God doesn't need us. I heard some not-so-wise comment saying, well, God was lonely, that's why he, he created us. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm going to save my, my comments on that, okay? But he, he didn't need us. He could care less. But the thing is, he loved us. He loved us. He loved us. He created us, right? 
He provided a way out for us. He blesses us. He doesn't need us. But He loves us. And everything that He does is for us. The sun rising up at the right time and setting at the right time, it's for us. The moon and the stars is for us to enjoy. The gravity is for us. Amen? Everything that God has done is for us. If you still haven't stepped into a relationship with the Lord, and you think you don't need Him, I suggest that you just open your eyes to everything that you're experiencing that is good. But maybe the things that you're experiencing that is bad is the one that's pushing you away from a relationship with Him. I pray and I ask that you open your eyes too on the things that you have done to cause those problems that you're experiencing. Because everything that God has done and continues to do is for us. Amen? Amen. Third point, genuine love disciplines. Oh my gosh, my American Christian friends. This is true. Because for me, I'm like, I don't even know why I have to talk about this. Discipline is a part of my culture. <laughs> I wake up with discipline, you know. That's how, that's how I wake up. I used to wake up before. Discipline, it's part of it. Real love disciplines. This is Paul talking. For I am afraid that when I come, I won't like what I find. And you won't like my response. I am afraid that I will find quarreling, jealousy, anger, selfishness, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorderly behavior. Yes, I am afraid that when I come again, God will humble me in your presence. Because it happened before. On his second visit, he found out that all these things the Corinthian church were doing. So he was humbled. He didn't say, see, I knew it. I knew you guys are a bunch of boneheads here. No, he, didn't, he didn't say that. He's like, see, mm, mm, start hitting people upside the head. No, he didn't. He was humbled because he was disappointed. Because no parent wants their children to fail. Do we agree? Nobody. We all want the best for our, our, our children. And it says here, God will humble me in your presence and I will be grieved because many of you have not given up your old sins. You have not repented of your impurity, sexual immorality, and eagerness for lustful pleasure. I'm, I'm, our header is genuine love disciplines. Because as Paul said this, he will see, you will see in the next chap, chapter 13, that he says he will not spare them. And spare them from what? Discipline from these things. Believer, if you're still practicing many of this, these things, many of these things, God's discipline will come upon you. Make no mistake about it. God, because He is love, disciplines His own. Let's look at that. This is the third time I'm, I am coming to visit you. And as the scriptures say, the facts of every case must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. That's in Matthew 18, 16. Correct? If anybody offends you or sins against you, you, take, you talk to him, you try to win them. Right? You know that verse? They'll win them. And if they, if they don't agree 
If they don't repent, bring another witness with you. Two witnesses with you. And then discuss it. And that's what he's saying here. I have already warned those who had been sinning when I was there on my second visit. Now I again warn them and all others, just as I did before, that next time I will not spare them. Believer, if you're playing around with God, I'm telling you, if you've gone away with it for many weeks or many months, and you have the intention to continue to do so, it says here, if Paul can say that he will not spare those believers that are being sinful, what more God? Our God is holy. Amen? Our God is holy. He cannot be associated with sin. If you are a believer, you have the Holy Spirit, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. The many times that, continue to, that you choose to continue to fall and continue to live your sinful life, you are grieving the Holy Spirit. And one of these days, if you do not turn, if you don't turn around, God will discipline you. I am actually really concerned for you. A believer that conti will continue to do his uh, sexual morality can have AIDS, HIV. A believer that will continue to, to have his sexual immorality ways, will, you'll get divorced. Because sooner or later your spouse will find out. For the, the young people here, that you commit that act outside marriage, the discipline will come to you will be in nine months. Oh yeah. That will be a discipline for you. A crying baby. Sleepless nights at the age, at the young age that you are in. If you continue to be willfully sinning against God, if you continue to do certain things that will hurt your body, you develop those sickness. So, why wait for that? For many of us, we really wait for God's big punch, don't we? Before we straighten up. Why? Don't you know that people are affected because of your disobedience? People that truly care for you, that don't really want the, the, the problem that your sin is, that you're doing with your sin, they really, they really don't want that issue with their lives, but they will be experiencing. Because every sin affects plenty. Correct? The sin in the garden affects all of us up to now. A father's sin who commits adultery affects his children and his future grandchildren. The sin of gambling will affect all your family that's concerned. Your children's college fund might be on the poker table all of a sudden. And then you stand to face, you face to lose everything. We tend to play around with our sin. Because we think it's just us that's affected. No, that's wrong. That's another lie of the enemy. It just doesn't affect you. It affects everybody around you. It's crazy, but it's the truth. Let's not wait for God's discipline. I pray that we will walk with the Lord ever so closely. Just continue to walk that straight and narrow.
you will fail. But you have to want to not fail. Let's see this genuine love, dis loves, genuine love disciplines. Remember this, 1 Corinthians 5, 1-2? Let me remind you. I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immor immorality going on among you. Something that even pagans don't do. I am told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. You are so proud of yourselves, but you should be mourning in sorrow and shame. And you should remove this man from your fellowship. Because this was reported to Paul and the guy still, the church was not removing the person from their fellowship. This person and the, the stepmom were both so arrogant that they would come to church together. They would come, they would go to church together in an in exhibition of everything, everyone. To show everybody that they're together. And Paul is asking, why are you so proud? What is your love bigger than God's love that you're keeping them there? Paul calls for discipline. He says, remove them. Remove this man. Even though I am not with you in person, I am with you in the spirit. And as though I were there, I have already passed judgment on this man. In the name of the Lord Jesus, you must call a meeting of the church. I will be present with you in spirit, and so will the power of our Lord Jesus. Then you must throw this man out and hand him over to Satan so that his sinful nature will be destroyed, and he himself will be saved on the day the Lord returns. You know the story. You know that this man turned. He turned around and he went back. He turned around and he went back. He learned this lesson. But there's the call. There's genuine love. Real love. We discipline our children whether we like it or not. That's real love. When you are being disciplined by God right now, if you're going through troubles, because God loves you. Because sometimes that's the only time, most of the time, that's the only way that He gets our attention. Is when troubles in front of us. Because blessings, we tend to we don't hear him. We zone God out during our blessings. But in our trouble, in our trouble, we see him everywhere. Hopefully, hopefully as we see him, we fall down on our knees and we say, Lord, help me. See, genuine love disciplines. Genuine love disciplines. There's no other way around it. Here's two Proverbs and there's many more, but I'll just show, share with you two. Proverbs 13, 24. Whoever spares the rod hates their children. But the one who loves their children is careful, mindful to discipline them. Mindful, thinking of to discipline them. Discipline your children and they will give you peace of mind. And will make your heart glad. Because undisciplined children are a pain in the behind. Amen? Mama, say amen. <laughs> My mom will say amen. <laughs> My mom can attest to that. That she had many headaches because of me. Praise God that God saved me from that life. <laughs> 
As much as my mom truly loved me, there was a lot of discipline that was involved in that. So I know you really love me, Ma. Because <laughs> I got the most discipline. <laughs> but the more, this is, we need to know this. Real love, genuine love, calls for discipline. So if you're going through discipline from God, be flattered. Because that just tells you that you are His. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when He rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one He loves. And He chastens everyone He accepts as His son. Amen? Amen. This is also in Hebrews. You see, the discipline that God gives us gets our attention. The discipline that we give to our children must get their attention. We can't be cowards on giving discipline to our children, especially if we really love them. Correct? And the same here at church. If somebody's you know, not making this fellowship easy and is causing division in our fellowship, slandering people, Slandering me. <laughs> I'm laughing because it happened many times, and that's okay. I, I'm called the Teflon man. man. Nothing sticks. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't, don't slander me and just destroy it. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but it's, it's here. God will discipline us because we are His. To get our attention. Correct? And that's, right there is a blessing in itself. Isn't it? If God takes my, gets, gets my attention through a discipline, through a trial, through a test, and I finally come to my senses and I say, Lord, I'm sorry, I will not do this stupid thing again. Help me get out of this trouble that I am in. And you change your ways. Isn't that the blessing? That's the blessing that you need. In conclusion. Everything that I have said in this whole two hours that we were talking <laughs> is summed up in this passage here. <laughs> so if you forgot what I've told you, just read this and then you'll get the whole thing. We love because He first loved us. We love because God first loved us. Because God is love. Genuine love comes and only comes from God. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. Can I repeat that? Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. Liar on what? Liar that you love God. You're lying. Because if you love God, you can't hate your brother and sister. Brother and sister means your, your friend who's a believer. Another believer. Can't. If you hate them, then you probably don't love God. That's what, that's what he's saying here. He's a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. David Platt said that spiritual maturity is shown by our relationship, our love relationship with other believers. You cannot be spiritually mature if you cannot love other believers. That's one 
one evidence of you growing spiritually is that you will have a great relationship, love relationship with others. And He has given us this command. God has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Anyone who loves God must love his brother and sister. That's why Paul is, gonna, is going again to the Corinthian church for the third time. That's why Paul wrote two letters to the Corinthian church. That's why Paul continues to pray, continue to pray for them. It's the same thing with God. God never stops. He continues to seek a relationship with us. If you have not accepted Christ as your Lord, the question is, why not? What are you waiting for? Are you waiting for something tragic for you to come to your senses and say, okay, Lord, I got it. Lost my left arm. I think I got the message. Is that the only time? No. Hopefully, you'll be in one piece. God is gracious and merciful. But at the same time, we can't wait. The day of salvation is today. Amen? And the day for us believers, the day to repent, is at that moment that you stumbled. If you haven't been walking the straight and narrow with the Lord, tonight is the night to again commit to that. We need to be fully committed to God because God doesn't play around. He doesn't play around. If you're half-hearted with the Lord and your relationship with Him, and then you're asking why all these troubles coming, it's exactly why those trouble. You have those troubles because you haven't, you haven't surrendered your life completely to Him. Please go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7 and 11 through your Bibles. Hebrews is also a kombucha drink by John Gosling. <laughs> but the book of Hebrews is in the New Testament. That's a free plug for you, John. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7 to 11. It reads, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate. Not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of Spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Amen? We need to be trusting in God, knowing that His love for us is pure. 
genuine love. As you continue to enjoy and experience that genuine love for Him, you cannot help yourself but to be a loving person to everyone else. Amen? Now, I'm not saying you're not going to be discerning to not, you know, you have to be wise, but the love part, because in real love, it's unselfish. Genuine love for Christ results to loving other believers. If we love God, we, are, we become unselfish. If we love God, we discipline others. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us, Lord God, to again study your word in the second book of Corinthians. Father, I pray, Father God, that you will be the one to remind them of whatever it is that you want them to understand and to change or remove or continue to do so, Lord God. If they're already doing the right thing, affirm them, Lord. Father, I pray for that soul, Lord God, that, that soul that have yet to accept you as the Lord. May this be the evening, Father, that they will finally yield and understand that your love was shown on the cross, Lord God, shown on the cross for them. You died on the cross, you were buried, and you resurrected, Lord God, for them. And I pray, Father, for the, the brother or sister that have taken their love relationship for granted, Father, with you. I pray that this will be the evening that they will again recommit their lives to you, Lord God. I pray that they will not be worried that they will come to that cycle again of failure. I pray that they will just rest. That tonight they will make that decision. That tonight I will be fully committed to Christ. Father, I pray that we will take you all seriously. I pray that we will, Lord, continue to just overflow with your love that you have given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's the end of today's message. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and want to support our mission of reaching others, help grow our ministry by visiting ficfreno.com slash give. To get the latest updates from our channel, hit the subscribe button. Visit our Facebook page by clicking the link below to let us know how God is moving in your life.